We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five hundred and nine of the Pack a Day podcast. My name is Andy Herman. I am a writer for Packer Report. You, of course, can always follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My guest today is the one and only Sarah Kelleher. She is a writer for Cheesehead TV. She is also a resident podcaster right here on Thursdays for the Packaday podcast. You'll usually find her uh, somewhat trying to tame Dusty and Steve on Thursdays, I guess I would say. And of course, she just recently graduated from UCF as well. Sarah, is this our second time uh, recording together? Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Um, last year, I think it was probably like September or October, right around when I started writing for, for Cheesehead. Uh, you had me on as a guest, and then I had so much fun that in the spring during the off-season, I was like, hey, how can I get involved more? And then that's how I ended up getting paired up with the one and crazy Steve and Dusty. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that's one way to put it. The way that I would have put it is you came on as a guest when you started writing for Cheesehead TV, and you absolutely killed it. And I'm like, yeah, you're not going anywhere. You are going <laughs> to record uh, as much as you possibly can. But, no, you were fantastic. And I immediately asked you to join the team, and you said you needed a little bit of time just to kind of get things in order. But we're gracious enough to join, and the rest was kind of history. Yeah, it's been so much fun this Every we record Wednesday night, uh, Steve, Dusty, and I, and it's always so much fun. I mean, we mess with each other, but then talking Packers with them is just great. And I've been able to, through the internet, obviously, meet so many amazing people that I never thought I would meet or interact with. So, I mean, 
kudos to you and thank you for that because that's just been an awesome experience so far. Well, I appreciate all the work you guys do. You guys put a tremendous show out every single week, and that's really been kind of the cool thing for me because Steve and Dusty were at the game together today, right? Yeah, they were. They were, which is awesome. It's a little which sad. Is, <laughs> yes, yes, very true. But, like, I know Andrew and Kyle got together for a game this year already. Of course, Andrew got the Pack-A-Day tattoo. Um, I know this week uh, um, Jacob and Nick and Maggie met each other for the first time. Yeah. Uh, all in town for the game. So it's just been this really cool, uh, you know, thing where um, you weren't around at the, the very onset of everything where we kind of matched off teams, but it was like matching off gym partners in dance class. Like I found the right like 20, uh, you know, 20-ish people that I wanted on the team, but we had no idea how we were going to like match up together. And it just came together so insanely perfect. And uh, when you came on and had the opportunity to, to match you with Dusty and Steve, and of course there's been some shuffling along the way, but seeing, seeing people like get together for, for games and stuff like that has just been really cool to see. So, uh, and you met Dusty, of course, earlier this year as well. So it's been a ton of fun. I'm so glad to have you on the team. But uh, besides all of that, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, the Packers actually uh, had a lot going on today. Uh, <laughs> they won, of course, against the Bears, 21-13, to moving to 11-3 and on the season. Of course, they officially clinched a playoff berth just a little bit later uh, when the Rams lost to the Cowboys. They also eliminated the Bears from the playoffs when they beat them today. There's a lot to take in from this entire day of football, a lot of emotions, the Packers getting back to the playoffs for the first time in three years. Uh, they only won 13 games the last two years combined, but win you know their 11th game today. I'm curious what your big takeaways and what kind of the emotions were for you throughout the day today. Yeah, I mean, I was ecstatic, obviously, at the end of it all that, like you said, they clinched the playoff spot. The Bears are out of the playoffs. They're undefeated in the division right now. But you can't ask for anything more. And I know a lot of people have been saying it wasn't the prettiest, and some of the games that they've won haven't been the prettiest, including today's. But we're sitting at 11-3 and right now, 4-0 in the division. We're going into Minnesota next week. There isn't a ton right now of big injuries on the roster this late in the year, which is huge. Usually the Packers are so banged up at this time, and it's so crazy, and they're on their last strings. But it's amazing to see a very healthy at this point for the Packers team with a winning record, the best that they've had in a few years, like you said. And I think we should just take it all in. I was so happy to see this happen today. Anytime you can knock a rival out of the playoffs is always awesome, and then clinching the playoffs for your own team in the same day is even better. So I was ecstatic to see this all happen. I'm super excited for next Monday and what's going to happen there because I I think that's going to be the big one that it comes down to. And, yeah, I mean, as a fan, you can't ask for anything more right now. Where we're at in the season, um, you you can't ask for anything more. I mean, 11-3, that's just amazing. No, I 100% agree, and that was really my biggest takeaway as well, and I kind of tweeted this after the fact. You know, I think it's time to be done with, with style points and winning ugly. You know, th- th- I think there's a, a good narrative to have there, you know, maybe midway through the season. If you're 4-2, and two, maybe even 5-1, and one, you know, I think there's points in the season where you look at the team and say, you know what, there's a lot of season to go. They, they haven't been really impressive, and can they really keep this up? 
When you get to your 11th win, that talk, I think, at that point needs to be over. Because one of two things. Either, one, they're a really good football team, and that's why they're 11-3. and three, Or maybe they're not the greatest football team, but they found a way to win 11 games. And honestly, I'm not sure that's not even more impressive in the first place. The fact that, you know, they haven't been super amazing, and they still found their way to 11 victories. And that takes an individual skill in and of itself. And if that's the impressive thing, then that's what it is. They know how to win football games, and it doesn't matter. I've, I've said for a long time, I think every single game has its own narrative. Some games are going to be shootouts, some games are going to be sloppy, some are going to be defensive struggles, and through all of it, regardless of what type of game it's been, they've played 14 of them, and they've come out with 11 wins. I think that's the takeaway at this point, regardless of how they've got those 11 wins, or regardless of who those 11 wins were against. Oh, absolutely. I agree. And I mean, at this time in the year two, in the middle of December, to be playing games that still matter, that's, that's what you want. At this time last year, you know, we were already pretty much out of the playoff hunt. You know, McCarthy was getting fired, and it was just the complete opposite of what's happening right now. So, you know, if anyone out there that's listening that is worried or a little concerned, you know, just kind of think back to a year ago. That's what I keep telling myself when I kind of get these, oh, but this could have happened and this could have happened thoughts, I say, hey, a year ago, things were completely different, and I would so much rather be in the spot that we are now, and I think we're a little spoiled because of that, but I mean, it's great. Like you said, if they're going to find ways to win these games, I have no problem with it. Yeah, I think that's that was the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, the other takeaway, you know, I guess slightly on the flip side, I guess, you know, slightly talking out of the other side of my mouth on this is, is that in some ways, this was the exact same storyline that we've seen for a long time now. This is how Green Bay has been successful. They kind of jump out to an early lead. Uh, they, you know, usually with a, a kind of a good game plan to start things off. In this game, they, they got out to the 7 nothing lead. They did, you know, perform better in the third quarter to, to get those couple touchdowns at the start of the third quarter. But jump out to that early lead, uh, you know, kind of get your defense in an advantageous position, win the turnover battle, be stout in the red zone. But at the end, it's, it's disjointed a little bit on offense and it's kind of hold on to your butts and hopefully they can hold on for the victory but once again same storyline but at the same token same result another win yeah I mean and that's the great part about having a defense that's so much in, a, in so much of a better place than it was last year I mean we'd see times where the Packers would go up and then their defense just wasn't able to hold they weren't able to hold and the offense wasn't able to put enough points on the board and this year you know having those guys that they got in the offseason like Preston Smith and Zedarius and and guys like that, they're really able to hold on and keep the game at the tempo that they want to keep it at. And even if their offense isn't scoring, their defense is at least keeping teams off the field, too. 100%. I agree totally. The, the one other takeaway that I had, and I just tweeted this out actually moments ago, was how big has, the, first of all, the division wins. They're 4-0 in the division now, but the two wins against the Bears. You always talk about winning the, your division games. Uh, the Packers right now sit at 11-3 and and are on top of you know the NFC North. They're the number two seed at the moment. Still you know a lot of football to be played. Uh, the Bears are at 7-7 seven and seven and are out of the playoffs. Well, what if you swap the two Bears and Packers wins? Just those two games. You swap those and the Bears win those two games instead of the Packers. Both teams are at 9-5 and five and the Bears have the tiebreaker going into the last two weeks with a ton of momentum uh, with the way they would have played the last few weeks and then picking up a win in Lambeau. So talk about how important those games are that basically Green Bay is on the outside looking in right now into the playoffs and the Bears would be in the playoff picture right now if those two games were just swapped. So really pretty pretty crazy uh, that, that just those two games alone could swap that much and in the, in the standings. 
Yeah, that's a fantastic point, and I didn't even think about that and put all this um, records together like that, and hearing that was almost shocking when you just said that right now, but that's crazy, and that goes to show how important every single game is. I mean, I think sometimes we get caught up and say, no, this game is you know, more important than the others, or this one, you know, because it's a vision game or whatever, but that just goes to show that every single game matters, and whether it's ugly or not, if, if they get a win on the board, then that's, that's the best case scenario every week. For sure, and that's why, you know, coaches spend so much time against your division opponents, you know, during the season, and that's why they preach when your division, you get in the playoffs. You do well in those division games. Not only does it help you in the division, it hurts everyone else in the division. It gives you all the tiebreakers. Uh, those games are so incredibly huge, and so far for Green Bay to be 4-0, uh, I think is a, a huge reason they're in the position they're in right now. And, of course, they have two really huge division games, especially the game next week, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, that's really going to shape the remainder of their season but so far so good with those division performances. Let's jump over to the offensive side of the football kind of break down what we saw on offense today, some of the good, some of the bad. They only ended up with 292 total yards of offense, only 192 net passing yards. So this has kind of been a trend. They have not been able to get uh, those explosive plays through the air. They had the opportunity to MBS to open the game, couldn't connect on it. Um, I had 100 rushing yards, so okay there. Uh, Rodgers was 16 of 33, 203 yards and a touchdown, uh, under 50% passing. Of course, some of those drops, you know, the MVS play, Allison had a drop, Adams had a couple drops. Uh, those certainly didn't help, but uh, under 50% passing, 203 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Aaron Jones, only 51 total yards. He did have the two touchdowns and a couple really nice runs. Uh, Devontae Adams, six, uh, excuse me, seven catches, 103 yards in the touchdown. And then I'll just add in, I, I thought the offensive line really protected Aaron Rodgers well for the most part throughout this game. Aaron Jones had a couple plays where he struggled to hold up in uh, pass protection. But overall, I thought the offensive line played well. But what were your offensive takeaways from the performance today? Yeah, so the offense, like you said, they kind of exploded a little bit there at the beginning of the third quarter. That was really where I, fe- I felt like they had the best rhythm and they kind of came to life, and that, I think, was the key in them winning the game. Um, But obviously, wide receiver one and running back one were the biggest kind of standouts for me on offense. I mean, Aaron Jones, again, played fantastic. He wasn't – even a couple times watching the game on TV, the broadcasters were like, oh, Jones hasn't really gotten involved a lot. But then as soon as he did get involved, he was making a difference. And I think that has been key is that when, you know, he gets those touches and he's getting involved, things are happening. So – I know he had 13 carries for 51 yards and both of those touchdowns in the third quarter pretty much on back-to-back drives. So he obviously played really well today. I thought Devontae Adams looked really good again this week. I know um, he was a little late into the scoring party this year with the injury and with everything going on, but um, ever since he kind of got one touchdown, it seems like the floodgates opened and he kept coming and coming and coming. And um, he had quite a few crucial first downs, I thought, today. Um, I know he had one drop pretty not bad drop but kind of uncharacteristic drop for Devontae but other than that I thought he looked really great and then um something that caught my eye was how well Alan Lazard blocked today um a lot of times he was blocking um in the past in pass protection with off of motion and he even uh, blocked I think one time for Aaron Jones off a run and I mean he has been a key difference maker and I went back on YouTube after the game because I saw a lot of people tweeting about this and I even tweeted about this how Lazard is such a great blocker and I went back and looked and sure enough if you go back and look you know he's had quite a few times this year he's been able to make a difference there so that was something that stood out to me 
I thought Rogers struggled a little bit with some of his decision making or his decision making a little bit. Um, it was a little shaky for me today for him, and I don't like picking on Aaron Rodgers too much because <laughs> obviously he's super talented. But I think we can say when his decision making isn't the best or what we know it can be, and so um, a little. I think I thought we got really lucky late in the game when he fumbled, but he, his elbow was just down, um, so he was down. Uh, that could have been really costly, and in the next couple weeks, I think that's something he's going to have to be a little more careful about, like how long he's holding on to the ball, you know, if he's going to throw them away or if he's going to try to run with it, um, things like that. But overall, I thought maybe the offense was a B minus, B plus if you're really, really picky. Um, but there, there were moments at the beginning of the third quarter there. If they can keep that rhythm consistently, I think good things will happen. No, I think you hit on a lot of things, and I'm going to try to respond to a few different of them because I really think you touched on a lot of great topics there. First of all, the offensive efficiency, and I think you hit the nail right on the head, and I think it's kind of been the same story. When they can get Devontae Adams or Aaron Jones going, usually the offense is in pretty good hands, and they they can move down the field and make some big plays, and I thought that was the story again today. In fact, I think the, the opening drive – uh, for the touchdown in the second half was basically almost all Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams down the field, one of the two touchdowns in the second uh, half. But th- when those guys are going well, the offense is going well. When those two are not going well, it, it certainly has been a little bit more of a struggle for the offense to get going. Uh, you know, Kumaro had the big play today. Uh, Lazard, Allison, uh, the tight ends, uh, Jamal Williams, those guys didn't do uh, a ton to kind of counterpunch when, when Adams and, and, uh, and Jones were taken away. So I think it's still finding the, you know, that third and fourth weapon on offense. And I, I don't think it necessarily has to be one guy. And I do really like what Alan Lazard has brought to the team. Uh, but I do think when, when Adams and Jones aren't going great, the offense isn't going great. So, uh, but I, I agree with you 100% when those two are going well and uh, those two were the, the stars of today. And, and like I said, when they went well, the, the offense went well. And that's kind of been the story of the season. Uh, as far as Aaron Rodgers goes, I'm, I'm with you. There were a few decisions or, or plays in, in the second half. Uh, he almost had the interception to Kajakowski over the middle that should have been picked off. Uh, he had the fumble that, you know, he, whether it's luck or whatever, you know, his elbow is just barely down before that comes out. That would have been a really huge game-changing play. Uh, took the sack, uh, which moved him out of field goal range right after the Dean Lowry interception. Um, also had the intentional grounding. Now, uh, a couple things here. Uh, the, the almost interception didn't, you know, really hurt them a ton. He dropped the pick, and then they, they had another chance on fourth down. They didn't get it anyway, so the interception didn't hurt them a ton, or near interception, I should say. Uh, you know, the, the fumble um, was not a fumble, and then, you know, the, the sack that he took, uh, the, he didn't really have a, an immediate check down. He mentioned after the game he was looking for Adams. Adams kind of cut a different way than he was expecting. He kind of double-clutched, and by that time, Aaron Jones got <coughs> obliterated on the pass block, and, and he ended up getting taken down. Um, and then on the intentional grounding play, uh, he mentioned he was trying to get it past the line of scrimmage and his elbow got hit and he, he just couldn't get it there. So uh, there's there's caveats to, to that, but at the same token, uh, a couple of those plays could have been a lot worse, and I think some of the decision-making probably could have been a little bit better. Uh, he's out, like you said, he, it's, it's always a very tough player to evaluate. I kind of wrote on that uh, pretty heavily in, in my Packer Report article this week for the offensive side of the ball is you, you have this player – who is so immensely talented and makes a handful of just epic plays, usually per game, um, and he doesn't turn the ball over uh, with any sort of regularity at all either. And just that in and of itself makes him 
him really an incredible starting quarterback. Uh, but some of the, the simple things that, you know, as of late haven't always gone according to plan within the rhythm of the offense. So I think some of that efficiency still needs to get cleaned up. And then the last thing I'll mention, you brought up some of the blocking of, of Alan Lazard and Geronimo Allison. Uh, that's something that I also have uh, brought up uh, in my grading the pack articles, of high, especially Geronimo Allison, where he hasn't been grading well as a, a receiving threat, but as a blocking receiver, him and Lazard have easily been uh, the two best. Jake Kumaro had a really huge block at, at wide receiver. Uh, I think it was last week that sprung Aaron Jones for the run. Um, and actually, Matt LaFleur in his press conference today, he went on a, about a you know one to two minute you know diatribe on, on one of his answers, and the, the answer that he spent the most time on was talking specifically about Geronimo Allison and Alan Lazard of how, you know, wide receiver is a playmaking position. Those guys want the ball in their hands. They want to make plays. They don't want to be blocking downfield for Aaron Jones. They don't want to be displacing safeties or linebackers or whomever at cornerbacks in the, in the middle of the scrum. But Alan Lazard and Geronimo Allison and Jay Kumar, those guys, week by week, and he specifically mentioned Allison and uh, and uh, Lazard uh, as, as doing it in this game. He, he called them out and said, you know, those guys are doing a lot of dirty work down the field to help spring some of those Aaron Jones runs. So uh, kudos to those guys, and I think you hit the nail right on the head with how those guys are blocking downfield. Yeah, I mean, it's great to see that too. I, I don't know if I'm just now paying attention to it more or if it's happening more. Either way, regardless, it's great to see that, and I want to see even more of it because the offense is way more efficient when things like that are happening. 100% agree. It's why it's a team game, and uh, when those guys are doing the work downfield, it's going to make things a lot easier for Aaron Jones. Let's transition to the defensive side of the ball. I thought the play of the front seven really set the tone early. Uh, you know, Chicago only had 22 rushes for their running backs uh, with 67 yards total, so about three yards per carry exactly. Uh, Green Bay did get three turnovers. However, that's a little bit misleading. Uh, you know, they had the Hail Mary interception by Alexander at the end of the half, and then they had the fumble at the very end of the game that they recovered. So kind of, I guess, fluke-ish type turnovers that weren't really in the uh, flow of the game, but two turnovers there nonetheless, and of course the Dean Lowry interception. They did also hold uh, Chicago on downs two times, so not specific turnovers in the stat sheet, but turnover on downs nonetheless. They did allow 415 total yards, but only 13 points, and this has been another MO of the Packers. Bend but don't break, give a ton of yardage up, but not a lot of point production. So 415 yards, but only 13 points. And the big thing here, again, is that Chicago is only one of three in the red zone with only the one touchdown and the two field goals. And uh, Green Bay is more than happy to, to give up field goals deep down in the in the red zone. And I think they did a fantastic job really limiting the Bears uh, to 13 points in a game where, again, Green Bay only scored 21 on offense and, and that, that Packers defense was on the field quite a bit. Yeah, I thought the defense, you know, like you said, it, it was the same storyline, bend but don't break, and that's the same thing that happened um, on Sunday. And for me, Kenny Clark and Jair Alexander were the two guys that really, really stood out. I mean, Kenny Clark, from the first snap, I felt like to, to the last one, he really played a complete game, and his stat line showed the same story. So he had eight tackles on the day, two sacks, three tackles for a loss, and a quarterback hit, and he's just so much fun to watch. I love watching him play, and I know he was a little quiet earlier in the season, and some people were kind of upset and about that, but I think the last few weeks he's really turned it on. He's really showed you know, his talent as a player and what he's capable of doing, and he was a big difference maker on the defensive side of things today um, for the Packers. And with Jair, he's so good at covering those wide receiver screens. I, I saw everybody talking about this on Twitter today, and that was absolutely the case. I mean, 
I I think uh, Nagler said in his article today, why, why do teams still throw at him? Um, because he's on those screens, because he's so good at protecting them. And you see him protect that time and time again. And he really, I think, has the potential to be, you know, one of the best corners in years to come if things, if he keeps performing like that. And he, he also had a great day. I think he had two pass deflections in addition to that, like, late Hail Mary interception that he had. And he's just a ball hawk. When he's out there, he's making a difference. So, for me, Kenny Clark and Jari, Jari Alexander were the two big difference makers on defense today. But overall... I thought they had a pretty decent performance as well. Yeah, I think you're uh, stealing from my notes. That was my very (laughs) next bullet point on defense is is Kenny Clark and Jair Alexander. Those are the two players I had highlighted as well. And, uh, you know, make no mistake about it, Zedarius Smith has been the MVP of the defense, and I think you can even make an argument that he's been the MVP of the Packers so far. But Kenny Clark is the player that makes that defense go. We know that Mike Patton loves to play that those those smaller players right behind him. You know, Blake Martinez isn't exactly the, the biggest, most physical linebacker playing right behind Clark. And then it's usually going to be, whether it was Raven Green earlier in the year, Ibrahim Campbell, uh, they've even played, you know, some Will Redmond in that position. They want to be able to play that safety linebacker hybrid in that position, and that is a, a big mismatch if your defensive lineman in front of those players uh, cannot hold up at the point of attack. And then, of course, his ability just to kind of uh, co- collapse the pocket in the middle of the defense. It's one thing, and we saw this actually quite a bit you know, a few years ago, where you would have Clay Matthews screaming off the edge, and there was no inside penetration, so the quarterback would just step up in the pocket, and they would you know, be able to get rid of the ball, and, and Clay's pass rush off the edge almost didn't matter because, again, the quarterback could just step up in the pocket. But if Zadarius and Preston are getting that, those pressures off the edge and Kenny's collapsing the inside of that pocket, we saw this specifically, you know, two weeks ago against, or the last week against the Redskins, where those guys, you know, just immediately all collapsed the pocket together and Haskins couldn't do anything. Um, it was, you know, basically like a, a vacuum sucking them into Lambeau Field. Uh, but when Kenny Clark is playing at that level, it makes Dean Lowry and Tyler Lancaster's job next to them easier. It makes Preston and Zedarius off the edge much easier, and it makes especially Blake Martinez and Ibrahim Campbell at the moment, it makes their jobs incredibly easier. And the last thing I'll say about that is you look at Blake Martinez, you mentioned that Kenny Clark, and I think it was really injury or related, in the middle of the season he wasn't having some of his best games, wasn't quite as dominant in the middle of that defense. That's when we, you saw Blake Martinez really struggle behind him and that those run lanes really open up because Clark wasn't able to keep some of those offensive linemen off of Blake quite as well, and Blake kind of got swallowed up, and everything kind of went downhill from there. He has been holding up at the point of attack against those double teams. He's been opening things up for everything else. He's been collapsing the pocket, and everyone around him has looked better. This defense has looked better. They haven't allowed 20 points in the last three games. I know it's the Giants and the Bears and the Redskins. I know it's Haskins and Jones and Trubisky, but still, he has been the fulcrum that the entire rest of that defense kind of rests upon, and uh, I think his play has really stood out today and, and really over the course of the last month. Yeah, I mean, he's he's just tremendous. Anyone that thinks otherwise, you just got to pay attention a little closer because he's just so much fun to watch. 
Very much so. Uh, one of the very fun players, and it is just a matter of time that they uh, lock him up for the foreseeable future. Interestingly, it was, uh, and I forget who it was, I know Devontae they did uh, in December a couple years ago. I think Corey Lindsley right around that time as well. This is this is the time that they've started looking at contract extensions uh, in the past, and it would not shock me if in the course of the next few weeks uh, if Kenny Clark got locked up here because they're definitely going to want to keep him uh, very, very long term, especially with how young he is and especially with how important, as we just noted, that he is to the defense. Uh, Special teams was mostly not super noteworthy. Uh, Tyler Irvin did have the big kick return, which was so nice to see. I I thought his first punt return was really impressive as well. He only went for 11 or 12 yards, but he did something ever so subtly where he he looked like he was going to catch the ball online, and then at the very last second, he caught it moving to his right, uh, which really kind of set the the gunner who was kind of sitting and waiting there for him uh, off guard, and it really, instead of being a, a fair catcher instead of being him right you know down right there uh, it allowed him to get about a a 10 to 12 yard return on that play and it just stood out to me because whether that was Darius Shepard or Tremont Williams or whomever the case it has been over the course of the season so far I think had anyone else been back there I think that's a a, either a fair catch or a, a kick return for no yards he gets 10 to 12 yards off of it, and I think that's what he can bring to the table. Um, of course, Tremont Williams had the controversial uh, fumble where, you know, it was called, you know, kick-catch interference or punt return interference, whatever it was, uh, where instead of the fumble, uh, Green Bay got to keep the ball and got tremendous field position out of that. So I think those were a couple of the big plays. But any uh, special teams takeaways for you, Sarah? Uh, I mean, nothing crazy. I think the punt returns, like you said, have just been key the, the last two weeks, and it's been – a struggle the rest of the year not having that and having negative yards and stuff like that. So to just see a little bit of consistency there from last week was great, and that's pretty much the only takeaway. Like you said, nothing super noteworthy, but it was exciting to see that another week. Yeah, 100% agreed, and uh, the last thing I'll add to the special teams is with three more made kicks today, of course, all extra points, but Mason Crosby has now made 99 of his last 102 kicks, only missing three of his last 102. That was since the Lions game last year where he missed five kicks in the one game. 99 of 102 on made kicks since that point. Just a ridiculous stretch for Mason Crosby. Yeah, I mean... Absolutely amazing. He has been going through so much stuff off the football field, too, that that just makes it that much more impressive that he's been able to, you know, stay focused and really get all those kicks in. And, I mean, kudos to him. He's a great guy, and he's a great Packer. I think he's always been one of the guys that truly represents what it is to, like they say, you know, carry the G with you where you go, and that is just him um, to a T. So fantastic work from him there. That is such a cool stat. I did not know that. So that's great. Yeah, there. Very cool. Should be in uh, the Pro Bowl or even maybe all pro discussion with the way that he is playing. He is uh, kicking the ball and striking the ball incredibly well right now. Um, I am going to do an exercise with you, Sarah, because I am incredibly lost at the moment, so I'm going to need your help. Uh, I do an article every week called Shatter Points, which highlights the the four or five, you know, ideally three because then it's a lot less work for me, but uh, usually four or five, you know, plays per week that really uh, change the outcome of the game uh, in a major way. Um, I did an initial walkthrough today, and I had 13 plays that really could have uh, swung the outcome of this game. And I've, I've kind of narrowed it down a bit, but here, here were my 13 plays. And I want to know maybe your one or two biggest uh, game-changing plays here. All right, so we had the uh, MVS uh, missed pass on the very first play of the game, which uh, arguably could have went 70 yards for a touchdown had he come down with it. 
Uh, we had the kick catch interference uh, for Tremont Williams that could have either been a fumble recovery for the Bears or what ultimately ended up a first down for the Packers with uh, super advantageous field position. Uh, we had the fourth down touchdown uh, to Devontae Adams, an incomplete pass there, and the Bears take over. No points, no harm done. Instead, they immediately get the touchdown to Adams. Uh, you had back-to-back plays to Anthony Miller. Uh, he had uh, a little bit of a, a drop, and then, uh, or, or at least Trubisky had him open. Trubisky overthrew him a little bit, and he probably should have laid out for the ball a little bit more. He did not, um, and it caused a fourth down. And then on fourth down, he threw the ball to Miller well down the field under about the two-yard line, and he, he got one foot in. And then, if you remember, kind of his, his knee came down before the second foot. Now, yeah. But back-to-back plays to Miller, which uh, could have converted and kept those drives alive. Um, Savage missed an interception over the middle, which resulted in a Bears field goal. Uh, you had that Aaron Rodgers intentional grounding. You had the third and four that went to Kumaro for a huge gain. Uh, you had the, uh, This is an underrated one for me. Uh, on the very last play of the third quarter, you had the play to Cordero Patterson. It was third down. It was like third and four, and he hit Cordero Patterson at the one-yard line, and it was super close. His toe, it looked like his like big toe was like maybe on the chalk, um, and they called it incomplete. They did not challenge, and instead of going for it on fourth down, they kicked the field goal. Had that have been completed, it would have been first and goal on the one-yard line. So that was like a, 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 in inches or maybe even like a millimeter that, that changed that play. Um, I've still got like five more here. They had the uh, third and 15 hold on Tremont Williams, which kept that drive alive for the yeah. Bears. Uh, you had the Rodgers fumble that we mentioned earlier with his elbow being down. The Dean Lowry interception was huge. Uh, you had the sack that took uh, the Packers out of field goal range immediately following uh, that Dean Lowry interception. Then, of course, uh, the final play of the game where they looked legitimately one lateral away from you know potentially tying that game with a two-point conversion. So just an insane amount of plays that could have really swung the balance of this game in a million different directions. Yeah, I mean... That lateral at the end is definitely one for me that was a game-changing play. I mean, I was watching on TV, and I really was like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they just got closer and closer and closer. And, I mean, like you said, it, it really looked like they were just one away from scoring, and that would have been absolutely terrifying. Um, the Bears at that point had a lot of the momentum. The Packers offensively you know, hadn't found anything in a while. So going into overtime, if that ended up being the case, what was going to happen there? There was a lot of questions that could have um, come up and a lot of areas for concern. So that was definitely one. And then I think the Lowry, the Lowry interception was a huge game changer. I mean, the Bears were driving. They had that momentum. They were on a huge drive when that happened, and they could have, you know, taken it down and scored. And um, even though the Packers didn't convert something out of it after, I just think, you know, kind of halting the momentum and stopping them when they were able to was such such a big moment. And I, I, I can't help but not, you know, pick that as one or the one or two, th- one, two or three things that I saw. And then definitely in the third quarter, I think it was, yeah, when the Packers scored to make it 14-3 and the next um, drive they scored again to go up 21-3, um, their defense had that turnover on, they forced a turnover on down and I thought that was huge too because, it really, I think, changed kind of the momentum of the game again. And the Packers were able to get the ball back, and that's when Kumaro made that big play then, and then they were able to stretch the lead and ultimately score their last touchdown of the game too. 
No, I think that seems right. And like I said, there's just so much that with a degree of difference really could have swung the balance of this game. But uh, I think you're right in that, that last play of the game, certainly. Uh, again, it really, you know, nice job on the Bears. for. I honestly think uh, that that play was designed. If you watch, as soon as Trubisky completes that pass, he takes off streaking down kind of the left side of the field. I think they were hoping to get everyone on the Packers on the right side of the defense and not focused, uh, obviously, on Trubisky at that point. Um, I think the goal of that play was to hit uh, hit Cohen over the middle, get everyone flowing to the right side of the field, hit Trubisky on the throw back to the left, and have him streak up the left side of the field for a potential touchdown. Uh, if you look at it, Cohen, you know, of course, one-hopped the, the ball to Trubisky, and he didn't get it clean. Um, even then, I think Green Bay did a fairly good job of staying home on that side of the field. And, and not allowing something you know like that to happen, uh, but then you know they did not tackle Trubisky well at all in the play. The play kind of keeps going, and then the tight end gets the ball. He had the opportunity to, to lateral one more time, and you could see after the play, Robinson and I think it was Miller and I think it was Cohen were were pretty visibly upset that he didn't see that opportunity and pitch it one more time because they knew they were going into the end zone. So uh, that certainly is a, a play worth uh, looking at much closer and certainly probably one that will end up in uh, my article this week. But lots and lots and lots of game-changing plays. We touched base kind of a little bit on this already, especially on the defensive side of the ball, but uh, did you have a, an MVP or a couple of MVPs for this game? Yeah, so in my uh, Cheesehead TV recap every um, game that I do, I usually have offensive standouts and defensive standouts. So kind of like you said before, it's the same thing that we talked about already, but on offense I had Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams, and then on defense I had Kenny Clark and Jarrier Alexander as my standouts for the day. Yeah, and we we discussed uh, you know all four uh, pretty much already, but uh, Jair and Clark were the two that I specifically had uh, as the two that stood out to me uh, on the whole, uh, regardless of what position. I thought those two had the the most standout game, but I'll be uh, looking forward to kind of breaking down the all twenty two and seeing who comes out on top. But I have a feeling, uh, especially on defense, it's going to be tough to push those two out of those top two spots with the way that they played today. Uh, what about a play of the game? What was your your one A play of the game? Oof, that's hard. Um, I I don't know why, but I was really pumped up about the Lowry interception. I thought yeah. that was just awesome. That was absolutely amazing to see him get the interception. And the catch itself was pretty impressive, the way he jumped up and grabbed it and brought it back in. And like I said before, it really just killed the drive and the momentum that the Bears had going. And it, it was perfect. I think they needed to, the defense needed to get a takeaway at that time and Seeing him get it, he was so pumped up. The defense is so pumped up. I think that had to be the play of the game for me. Yeah, we're 100% on the same page again. That was what I had down as well. And uh, I think for a couple different reasons, I think that, like you said, the time of the game that it was in, it had, had Green Bay gotten points off of that and really sealed the game, I think it would have easily been uh, without any discussion whatsoever. But even without that, I, I do think it was just such an impressive play. I mean, for a defensive lineman, I mean, he bats that up in the air. He bobbles it about three or four times and then gets it right around his knees. It was such an impressive interception. I thought Zadarius did a tremendous job to get the initial pressure on that play which kind of led to the interception so uh, just like you said the, the momentum the time in the game when it happened the fact that it probably should have sealed the game at that point uh, that was definitely my play of the game as well and certainly it was, uh, Dean Lowry's best play of the season in my opinion 
Um, let's take a look a, a little bit around the NFC today. Of course, the Packers won. We saw the Seahawks, Vikings, Cowboys, and Eagles all win to kind of uh, keep their playoff momentum going. Cowboys and Eagles is going to be really interesting down the stretch. Uh, 49ers, Rams, and Bears all lose. And if we look at it right now, as we speak at this moment, uh, the Seahawks are the number one seed. The Packers are the two the Saints are the three, the Cowboys are the four, the 49ers are the five, and the Vikings would be the six. Uh, the Seahawks, Packers, Saints, and 49ers have all clinched playoff berths. The Vikings are all but in. They would need to lose both games and have the Rams win both games uh, in order for them not to get in. So it seems like the the top five seeds are pretty much set. And then, of course, you have the Cowboys or Eagles that will get technically the number four seed but will easily have the worst record of the group. Uh, You know, anything that you're thinking from an NFC playoff standpoint or, you know, kind of the results we saw around the league today? Yeah, my biggest worry, I guess, with it is I really hope the Packers don't have to play in California. That's my <laughs> only thing. It seems like California has been cursed for Green Bay this year. So um, if they do have to travel, if they do have to get on the road, I'm like, I don't care if it's Seattle. I don't care if they have to go on the West Coast, just not California. Because for some reason, when the Packers have gone to California, they just don't look like the same team. Um, but other than that, I mean, nothing is too surprising to me. I mean, seeing those teams get the wins that they needed today, and um, I thought the Cowboys' win was huge today. I know the Rams have been a little up and down, and I was a little nervous, um, you know, because I thought, oh, you know, the one week that we need the Rams to lose, they'll come out and, you know, Goss will finally have it together and they'll, they'll look great. But um, that wasn't the case, so that was that was a pretty enjoyable game to watch. I think that was the first time I've ever really, really cheered for the Cowboys, but there's right. a first time for everything. Um, but other than that, nothing too crazy, I think. The 49ers are going to be a tough team to beat if the Packers have to, you know, if they cross paths later again, whether that's on the road in California or, you know, wherever they end up, or I guess if they're ranked higher, that they would end up playing there. But um, I think, you know, that might be the team to beat later on. The, obviously, um, there's so many other great te- there's so many other great teams in the NFC. I always think that the NFC is kind of flooded more with tougher teams than the AFC is. So I guess we'll see what happens over the next couple of weeks, but it'll be pretty exciting. I think for the Packers, you can almost look at it this way. Uh, if they win, you know, potentially against Minnesota, that's, you know, let, let's assume that the Packers beat the Lions in Week 17. We should never assume, and, you know, maybe Matthew Stafford plays in that game and it's not as easy, but let's assume for a moment that Green Bay wins Week 17 in Detroit. Detroit will um, if, if that's the case, this is basically uh, one of two, you know, kind of playoff games, right? So if at least clinch a bye. They clinch the NFC North, again, assuming they beat the Lions. So that's kind of like their first playoff game to get to the second round of the playoffs. If they lose against Minnesota, then that means, you know, if they still beat Detroit, they're going to get that home game to open the NFC playoffs. Then they have to win that game to get to the second round of the playoffs. That one would then be on the road, of course, potentially, depending on what happens with the Saints, but could be on the road instead of being at home. So, uh, you know, this is kind of their first opportunity to get to that second round of the playoffs. Uh, They can do it earlier uh, and make it easier on themselves if they get the win in Minnesota. Yeah, for sure. I mean, next week, I think we've been saying it for weeks now, is next week's the game. Next week's the big game that um, decides everything. And I think it's great that the Packers at least can control their own destiny at this point. I think a lot of times, you know, even in 2016 and other years um, before that, when they were making the playoffs, it would come down to, you know, if this team lost or this team won, or if they went 
um, or the Packers had to win out every game. But at this point, you know, they really just need to win this one game and they control their own destiny in that case. So I think it's the best situation possible that they could be in. They're as healthy, I think, as a team right now this late in the season can be. So I'm hoping for the best and a win next week would be absolutely massive. Yeah, it's it's really the game of the season. You know, there's uh, I think the opener against Chicago was really a huge game. You you had what looked like was going to be a really big game in San Francisco, and uh, certainly kind of ended up being a little bit of a dud. But uh, this this certainly has all the the looks of a uh, you know the biggest game of the of the regular season, and one that really sets up both teams uh, for how they may eventually do in the playoffs. So it's going to be a really fun game. And let's look ahead just a little bit to that, Sarah. What are some of the things that you're going to be keeping an eye on this week as as we start looking? ahead. Of course, you're going to be able to break it down uh, quite a bit more with Dusty and Steve on uh, on Thursday, but uh, how can Green Bay go into Minnesota and win this game? Yeah, I think Green Bay has to come out right away and set the tone. That's been the most important thing, I think, in the games where Green Bay has really controlled um, the tempo and, and everything that goes on in the game, and the games they've been able to win and, uh, you know, win at a decent rate, too. They've really come out and set the tone, and um, I think that's absolutely what they need to do on the road next month, next Monday. Um, I think it's a big if on the severity of Dalvin Cook's injury is going to be a big thing that I'm going to be monitoring this week, obviously. I mean, if he's in the game, that's a huge game changer for the Vikings. He's obviously fantastic, um, and he's a huge part of that offense. I think with Thielen, too, he's been up and down with injuries all year, so a lot of it, I'm sure, is going to be under wraps, and they'll all be game-time decisions, but I think the Packers, no matter what, should prepare like both of those guys are 100%, um, and that both of those guys are going to be playing at the top of their game. I mean, this is a huge game. I'm really going to look at, you know, Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark to get involved on the defensive side of things and really disrupt um, Kirk Cousins and what's going on there. I think Kirk Cousins is a very emotional quarterback in the aspect that he can get flustered really easily, so if Right away, the Packers come in hot, and they're able to, you know, get a few pass breakups. If they're able to, you know, make some contact with the quarterback, I think that really sets the tone for the rest of the game. That could really throw off some rhythm um, and what's going on there. And I think um, the other key is getting Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones involved again. I mean, um, Aaron Jones, it seems like in every primetime game the Packers have had has just been phenomenal this year. I mean, every time they're in the primetime slot on TV, he's, you know, scoring multiple touchdowns. He's rushing for over 100 yards. He's getting those touches that he needs. So I think he's going to be huge. And then um, getting Devontae involved, of course. I mean, we've seen what he's been able to do against the Vikings in the past. And I think um, Alan Lazard is going to play a role next week. Um, You know, the Vikings know that they need to cover Devontae Adams. They know what he's capable of. But I think Lazard flies a little under the radar still when they play some of these other teams. And, you know, his ability to get up and make big plays, um, we saw it against Detroit. We saw it a couple times again this season that he's kind of been a guy that Rodgers trusts and has been able to go to in in moments where, you know, Javante's covered or Javante's been hurt. So I think he'll he'll play a big role as well. And then let's hope Aaron Rodgers is on his game. I mean, he he loves playing in December. He loves these games. So I think this is the type of environment that he's perfectly capable of thriving in. And if all those things go well, um, the Packers can absolutely, I think, go to Minnesota and get a win. But It'll be a dogfight. I think it's, they're going to have to grind it out till the very end. But um, if in all three phases, they can set the tempo right away. Then I think that's yeah. the biggest difference maker for sure. 
the last Monday night football game of the year should be absolutely epic, and I'm with you. I think the Dalvin Cook injury is really going to uh, play a huge part in that game. Uh, Mike Zimmer on Dalvin Cook after the game on the severity of the injury, quote, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. On if it was the same chest injury, quote, no, it's not. On Dalvin Cook's timeline, I don't know. So uh, he was not super uh, uh, happy with the media, I guess, Uh, at least wasn't willing to answer too many questions on the extent of Dalvin Cook's injury, but that will play a huge role uh, in uh, in that Viking-Packer game next week. I'm with you. I hope hope he's healthy. I hope Minnesota's healthy. Green Bay seems like they're healthy, and uh, let the the best team win. That's, you know, really, as as Aaron Nagler touched base on uh, this week, we respect the Bears. We hate the Vikings, I think is what he said, and that's really been the, the, the rival. I think as of late and really where a lot of the uh, disgust and the dislike comes in is, is with the team wearing the purple jerseys. So uh, that's going to be a massive, massive game. It should be really, really fun. And uh, I really cannot wait for that game. I, I think that is going to come down to the very, very end. And you have Kirk Cousins and, and Aaron Rodgers. And I think uh, the the thing that I always loved recently, uh, the last year and this year especially, of course, about the, the Vikings-Packers matchups is those, uh, you know, Adam Thielen and Stephon Diggs versus Jair Alexander especially matchups matchups, but Kevin King in that as well. So I uh, love, love watching those guys go to battle, and uh, I think those, those specific matchups, Green Bay's corners versus the, the Vikings wide receivers, uh, could play a huge, huge role in that specific game. Yeah, absolutely. It's Like you said, the last Monday night football game is going to be a great one. I mean, we're as a football fan in general, whether you're a fan of the Packers or the Vikings, this is just going to be a fun one to watch, I think. All right, so I got one last uh, question for you here, at least one last specific question. I just put a poll out on Twitter before we started the podcast today. I said, with the Packers getting to 11 wins and clinching a playoff berth today, what do they need to do in your mind for 2019 to be a successful season? And the options I put were it's already successful no matter what. Uh, They need to at least win the NFC North. They need to win at least one to two playoff games, or they need to win a Super Bowl. So those are your options. What do the Green Bay Packers need to do for the remainder of the season in order for this season to be deemed successful? I mean, I think I could lean a couple ways on this. I think right now we could say, you know, it's already been a successful season, especially with the expectations, you know, coming in with a first-year head coach and with all the change. I mean, it's definitely been successful. But I think for me, winning the division would be huge. Um, I think if they win the division, that just leads to more success in the playoffs. So I'll go with winning the division, seeing what's going on there. Um, And from there, let's just take it one game at a time and see how it goes. Yeah, I think that's the right answer. And I think there's levels of of truth to each of them. I think to an extent, no matter what, this has been a successful season now. If they go out and they lose their next three games and they would lose to Minnesota-Detroit in their first playoff game, that would be a very tough pill to swallow. But even still, going you know, 11-6, and first-year head coach, uh, I think really picking up momentum uh, yeah, on, uh, for this franchise as a whole going through the season, picking up players like Zadarius and Preston and Adrian Amos and uh, really some promising rookies, especially in Darnell Savage and in Elton Jenkins. I think in finding players like Al, uh, excuse me, Alan Lazard, I think that there's a level of success that even if they lose their next three games, you cannot take away from this franchise. I think you could go all the way to saying, you know what, you don't you don't get paid in this league and you don't celebrate in this league. You know, certainly the Green Bay Packers do not celebrate and hang banners for NFC North Division titles. They don't win banners for winning, you know, one or two playoff games. The, the goal in Green Bay is to win championships. So I think there's a level of truth to, to each of these answers, but. 
I think your answer is right. Let's, you know, let's see if they can win the NFC North and then take it one game at a time. And uh, there's a lot of season left, and it's, it should be a very entertaining and uh, really fun to discuss season. It, it really, a really good season if you're uh, you know, a, a part of a 365-day-a-year podcast, I guess. Oh, absolutely. This is, this is the time of the year. I mean, yes, it's the holiday season, but it's also you know, the pivotal point in the Packers season. So could it be an, a more awesome or exciting time right now? Absolutely. This has been great. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for taking the time. Anything you want to plug on your way out the door or uh, any thoughts for today? Yeah, I mean, other than um, my weekly recap on Cheesehead TV, nothing too crazy. And obviously make sure to listen to uh, Steve and Dusty and I on Thursdays. Uh, We love talking with you guys and sharing some of our crazy takes and mixing all that in with the Packers. So um, just be on the lookout for that. And obviously the Packaday tweets every day that are – or not tweets, but the link to the podcast every single day. And thank you, Andy, for having me. This was so much fun. Um, and thank you for everything that you do for Pack-A-Day Podcast, too. Yeah, I appreciate all the work that you guys do. Uh, I appreciate the work you specifically do, Sarah. You're doing absolutely amazing work uh, over at Cheesehead TV, so keep crushing uh, You know all the all the work you're doing over there. You have a tremendously bright present, but tremendously bright future uh, ahead of you as well. And I'm, I'm so excited to see where uh, your writing and your journalism ends up now that you've officially graduated college. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. You're welcome. So, uh, yeah, this was a lot of fun. It really a, a massive, massive day. You know, no two ways about it for uh, the Packers and their franchise. 11 wins back to the playoffs, eliminate the Bears. Uh, still a lot of work to do ahead of them, but this is a really cool day uh, for, for Green Bay and the Packers. For Matt LaFleur, first-year head coach, again, 11 wins in a playoff. Uh, you know, this at this point in the season, still two games to go, is, is massively impressive. So lots to celebrate, work to be done, but uh, I think there's a lot to look forward to as well. Sarah, thank you so much for time. Thank you for all the work that you do. Uh, For those of you who are listening in daily, make sure to check out Ross and Jake tomorrow. Uh, They will have a lot more breakdown from this game as well as starting to look ahead uh, to the Vikings and the Packers on Monday Night Football next week. Uh, So make sure to check that out as well. If you have not yet, please make sure to go out and subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, whether it be Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, iTunes. It doesn't matter. You know, make sure to subscribe. If you can, uh, go out and like the podcast, write a comment, be nice, be gentle. We appreciate it, uh, but we appreciate all your support day in and day out. Uh, we couldn't do it without you guys, so thank you, thank you, thank you. We appreciate it greatly. I will end with that, and I will end as always, as I do on every single podcast, as we do on every single podcast with a big Go Pack Go! Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. 
If you haven't heard of the EE system yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.